Happy New Year, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Ghost Spider Groupies, the podcast dedicated to Gwen Stacy of Earth-65, also known as Spider-Gwen and Ghost Spider, where we review her comics, discuss news, and give our opinions about all things Gwen-65. I'm Abigail. And I'm Pax. So, uh, this week, we have a little bit of tidbit for our week Gwen update. Uh, the solicits dropped for March 2022, and that includes uh, some more information about the Spider-Gwen Gwenverse miniseries. Uh, so, uh, we have uh, Spider-Gwen Gwenverse number two here. Um, and there's some interesting information coming through about this one. There's um, a new cover from David Nakayama. Yeah, it's featuring our girl and uh, Gwen as Thor. We got Thor Gwen. We got Thor Gwen. There's a really neat trick with Mjolnir and a web. Like it, it's it's like sort of coming out from the hammer, and the rest of it is also there. Like I'm I'm sorry, I, I David Nakayama. He doesn't do like he does sort of cheesecake art, but he he doesn't do it badly. He just does it in a really strange way. Like pr- the proportions of Gwen seem really strange in this. Just such a strange looking like. It's really throwing me. And the thing is, he hasn't done it for Thor Gwen. He's done it for Ghost Spider. And like, I, he, he, like he cannot do that. He can choose to not do it, but he's done it anyway. And it's driving me nuts. I think the most interesting part about this solicit is that it's really selling the uh, time travel aspect. And there's an evil Gwen running about because it says to stop another Gwen Stacy from corrupting the multiverse. Ghost Spider and Thor Gwen have to time travel to catch up to her, but they have competition from Captain America Gwen, who's out for revenge against yet another Gwen. Yeah, yeah. So we've got we've got a villain Gwen, and yeah, I, I'm interested to see who the villain Gwen is. I feel like that might be a Gwen that we already know. It could be a Gwen six one six or a Gwen one six one zero. I don't know. We'll we'll see. But I'm just wondering who this other other Gwen variant is that Cap Gwen has it out for because the only big Cap threats are Red Skull, Arnim Zola, and Winter Soldier. So I'm thinking, would it be Gwen Skull? Gwen Skull? No. Gwen oh, Arnim no. Zola, Gwinter Soldier, or would it be Qu- the Gwinter Soldier? I would like to see a Gwen to Soldier. I think that would be fun. What what I will say about this event is I don't have a huge amount of love in my heart for Thor Gwen or Captain Gwen America, and that's just because we haven't really met these characters. Um, but I would like to see more of the other alternate universe Gwens that we've met over the past few years since Spider-Gwen was created. Um, there was obviously uh, Gwen 617 from the last arc of the original Spider-Gwen comics, who's this sort of aged detective veteran symbiote-powered Gwen Stacy, who's all science-y. Um, I'd love to see that character again. Uh, more recently, we've read a couple of like one-shots of other alternate universe Gwens that have been quite good. There was Vita Ayala's Night Gwen from the Heroes Reborn sort of alternate augmented whatever reality. And also there was uh, Reina Uyami from the uh, Demon Days miniseries that Peach Momoko is doing. Incidentally, Peach Momoko designing all of these Gwen characters. She's just been making so many Gwen characters this past year, right? So yeah. Yeah, Peach also did another variant cover for Gwenverse number two, but this time she did a little Gwen Stacy Wolverine, a Gwenverine, if you will. Absolutely, yeah. No, I'm, uh, I, I, th- I thought that uh, the cover art for Gwenverine is, is really fun. And there's, uh, there's even one with notes uh, from Peach that has been translated for us, where it's like talking about how the outfit's made of leather. Um, it's got a really cool natural look to it. And of course, it's a hood. They kept the hood for it. It's still like it's still a hood. 
So I, I'm so the, because they've kept that design beat. I'm I'm still very happy about it. But yeah, Peach's Gwenverine is so cute. But y'all gotta know that this is a different Gwenverine than the one on the cover or one that previously appeared. I believe it was in Secret Wars Battle World number three. That was the other Gwenverine, but this is a totally different person. Right. Yeah. But yeah, it, it's so cute how like, it looks like that Gwen. This Gwenverine, she looks really pissed off, but. Isn't any Wolverine pissed off? I think so. I think the best Wolverines are usually a little bit disgruntled, like they've been through some stuff, um, and and they really do. They're just not impressed. They're just not impressed. I think it's just because this version of Gwenverine just looks so youthful. That's why her pissed off look just really sells. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, that would yeah that would make sense. I think I think I think it comes through more. We're not used to seeing Gwen being angsty. Well, I know we are, but in cover art and so. So brazenly, they're letting her frown. So good, good for Gwen. Glad she's got that. So anyway, uh, Gwen verse number two will be on sale in uh, March twenty third of this year. Yeah, yeah. Tim Seeley uh, and Jody Nishijima are, are working on this. Strangely, Previews World is saying Cody Ziegler is working on Gwen verse number two. I think that's an error, but I would be happy if if somehow that writer was working on this as well. But I guess we'll see. Maybe as a backup story because uh, well, because Cody Ziegler is on uh, Spider Man Beyond right now and one of the writers for She Hulk. Oh, really? Like the Disney Plus series. Oh, I was going to say, I was I was really excited then if Cody Ziegler was working on the new She-Hulk comic, but it's a, it's only it's only a live action series, never mind then, I guess. Um yeah. Um but yeah, I uh, no, I'm I, I guess we'll see how that goes. Um I'm still apprehensive about Gwenverse, I'm not going to lie. I'm 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 worried. I'm worried it could be real bad. Um I'm hoping they stick to Gwen's roots with this. As long as they A, remember the events of King and Black, Gwen versus Carnage, and B, if Tim Seeley remembers that Gwen cusses. <laughs> that, that would be a nice touch. I feel like I, I, I'm, I'm like, I get the gimmick. I get why they're doing it. And the thing is, they do it all the time in Spider-Gwen comics. All of the time, Gwen will travel to an alternate dimension. She'll meet an alternate version of herself and they'll go on an adventure. It happens a bunch. But, like, this is leaning so hard into the gimmick. I almost feel afraid of it now. So yeah, I guess we'll see. So yeah, the important question is, will Gwen cuss again? Yeah, let, let Gwen say fuck. That that should be the goal of the next Marvel Ghost Spider writer, whether it's Tim Seeley or Cody Ziegler or whoever. Speaking of uh, backups, like for the possibility, like if that's really true, Cody Ziegler doing a backup story, Chris Anka like teased a little bit that he might be doing something for Gwenverse. Yeah, I saw that would be really pumped and, and initially i saw it and i thought okay is this a different gwen thing is this just 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 chris anchor doing uh like like a just just a more general doodle but if you look if you look at it you can see the outlines of other gwen characters right like like there's thor gwen there and the implication that there's a d there's, there's an, a character initial dg which is something gwen we don't know um so so that seems like chris anchor is doing work on gwenverse which is very cool because chris anchor is a very good artist and and i really enjoy the way that anchor styled as gwen so i'm pumped yeah make chris anchor do a, an ongoing absolutely i would i would enjoy that i think chris anchor would be a solid solid bet for a a ghost spider ongoing i would enjoy that so should we get underway with uh today's read 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, uh, as listeners will know, uh, a while back now, we finished the Ghost Spider Spider-Gwen comic book solo run. We did all of her solo titles. Um, and of course, we'll be covering new solo titles in the future, but as we've been speaking about, they're yet to come. Uh, so we're doing side stories in the meantime, and we've sort of been covering, there's this sort of string of different events and crossover things and team-up appearances, which Gwen has appeared in sort of elsewhere in the Spider-Verse, obviously starting with Spider-Verse, then Web Warriors. Um, we did, we've done all of that now, and we've been doing the Clone Conspiracy. We did part one last week. Um, the Clone Conspiracy is done by uh, Dan Slott, and uh, with a little bit of help from Christus Gage, uh, they've been writing sort of essentially this big event where they, they clone, reanimate, resurrect, whatever, a bunch of Spider-Man allies and villains, and they get real angsty about it. Um, and we've been we've been talking about that. Uh, we've also got uh, Jim Chung on the main events art, Giuseppe Camoncoli on the Amazing Spider-Man tie-ins, and Corey T. Smith doing a bit of work on the last issue, uh, the Omega one. Um, we're also going to be taking a little bit of a detour into another title which tied into this event, which had some Spider-Gwen stuff in, and that's Prowler number five. Um, Prowler uh, is a really good. I'm, I'm going to talk about it about it later but it's a really good comic book um it it only tied into clone conspiracy and we're only reading number five because it's the only one that's got spider gwen in uh, but it's very good it's written by sean ryan and it has art by uh, jamal campbell and javier solteris and we're viewing all of this just due to the nature of gwen's powers and stuff as having taken before spider women in her main run because fits his status quo better yeah logically this takes place before spider women yeah yeah it, it sort of lines up with everything and even I think the ending of this kind of dovetails nicely into Spider-Women. So we're going to get into that. We're going to have a synopsis where we read and summarize this second half of the event. We're doing Clone Conspiracy number four and five, Amazing Spider-Man 23 and 24, Prowler number five, as we said, and Clone Conspiracy Omega. Uh, we're going to put all of that in the notes because it's a lot of issues. Um, and also the timing of them is all over the place. These are not occurring in sequence. These are occurring at different points at the same time. And in fact, I, just to emphasize how weird the timing is, I have the collected edition of The Amazing Spider-Man the clone conspiracy um and uh, th they they couldn't work it out and you can tell this because instead of putting um all of the issues in sequence and reading them in chronological order uh, they put them at by the title so they just have clone conspiracy numbers one to five and then amazing spider-man like 20 to 24 and then like prowler number one to five and then silk numbers whatever issues of silk was in this um so like I remember reading it for the first time and going, hold on, I'm going through this really quickly. I'm near the end. Um, and then looking at the rest of the collected volume left to read. So the timing is all over the place. Um, and it's going to be real difficult to explain which bit of the synopsis relates which bit of the arc. So my recommendation is to just read these issues that we've listed um, like that or on how Marvel Unlimited recommends to read them. Because I think Marvel Unlimited has a page for it. I think even in the trade, well, the hardcover anyway, they actually put up a little infographic on uh, where and when you're supposed to read stuff. Yeah, and and it's 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 so confusing, and and I've yeah, you're right. It's it's a bit mad. It's all a bit mad. I it it's it's a lot, and and I don't know if it lines up exactly either. It, it's it's a difficult one to keep up with. Yes, yeah, some issues bleed into each other. So, yeah, some of them are listed as happening at exactly the same time. So, like, you end up in a position where you're, like, reading one and it's actively spoiling the other that you haven't read. It's kind of crazy. It's one of those 
it's one of those comic events, basically. Um, but it's, yeah, we're going to get into it, I guess. Yep. So we begin with clone conspiracy number four. At the Jackal's laboratory, Kane is bound and watches the scientists work around him. Dr. Octopus continues developing his proto-clone while the lizard concocts a lizard-based formula to stop the clone bodies from breaking down. Otto is pondering on how Kane survived for so long without degenerating when Anna Maria shows up. She reacts with disgust as Otto attempts to plead leniency with his former love. Otto fails to see how his earlier deception as Peter Parker repulsed Anna Maria, and she attempts to call to leave. However, communications throughout the complex are blocked, and Anna Maria relents to getting the task at hand done. The two continue work on the proto-clone, analyzing different radiations and frequencies which seem to be causing the clone breakdown process. Ben and Peter head to the second UU site, the Transamerica Pyramid. Ben explains some more about his operation and how he has operated with such little oversight. By resurrecting the dead loved ones of powerful individuals within the government, law enforcement, medical institutions, and the media, the Jackal has created a strong web of influence across the country. Meanwhile, Clone Gwen and the other resurrected spider allies and villains regroup at the site ahead of them. Spider-Gwen watches from a distance, aware of the second site after her own time undercover. Ben introduces Peter to the haven within the New U facility, a utopian-seeming development where all of the resurrected live in harmony. Peter talks of Gwen and George Stacy looking for forgiveness on his part in their deaths and his secrecy over his dual identity. George implores Peter to see New Yu's vision and join them, but Peter is hesitant. Gwen realizes it's because he doesn't see them as real. Peter speaks about different Gwens that he's met since her death. The two briefly discuss Spider-Gwen and her drumming. Peter indicates that this Gwen is another clone, to which she reacts poorly, trying to prove her realness with the knowledge of every part of her life. She died feeling betrayed. Gwen clarifies that she isn't angry anymore though and is glad he's moved on with new loves, but expresses frustration that he didn't stay happy for long. Spider-Man always got in the way. Despite a kiss, Gwen and Peter don't manage to reconcile their disagreement over whether or not the clones are real before he has to go back to talk with Ben. Peter continues debating the point about the resurrection process with Ben. He still doesn't consider his vow to save everyone to be realistic. He turns on Ben and comes to a realization. Ben isn't going to bring their uncle back because he wouldn't approve. Ben is exercising all of the power, but none of the responsibility. Ben snaps and calls for Peter's death. All of the villains in the surrounding area turn on Spidey and go in for the kill. Ben implies that he doesn't even need to bring Peter back and that he can just take his place leaving the scene. Prowler, despite having previously sided with Jackal, switches to defending Spider-Man, seeing as anyone trying to kill Spidey is on the wrong side. The laboratory, Jackal talks to the team working on perfecting the cloning process, including Anna Maria and Otto. Anna Maria posits that there is a reverse frequency that they could broadcast that would offset the cellular decay, but the conversation breaks down when Ben offers to screen out her defects if they are successful. She is upset at this suggestion, and Doc Ock strikes at Jackal in anger. Spider-Gwen picks this moment to try and free Kane, who is still bound up as an involuntary guinea pig at the lab. Electro intercedes, and the two fight. At the same time, Otto notes Jackal's reactions and realizes that he's actually dealing with a spider clone. He realizes he can shut down Jackal and the whole operation down if he just amplifies the cellular decay frequency throughout the whole facility. 
Back at the Haven, the supervillain assault on Peter comes to a horrifying stop as the frequency renders them all incapacitated, and they begin to rapidly decay. The contagion begins to spread as the new you resurrected come into contact with non-clones. Instead of stopping the signal, however, Jackal accelerates it by broadcasting it out across the country. Everyone will eventually decay, but Jackal justifies this by saying he will bring back every last person. Peter tasks Prowler and Jean the Wolf with assisting him in containing the supervillains inside of the facility where they can't spread the contagion. This is while Pete tries to find a way to the lab to stop the Jackal and the signal. Clone Gwen guides Peter there. The Jackal and Kane fight, the former tossing the latter out of the building into the street below. Spider-Gwen jumps out after him in an attempt to save him. Gwen slings a web net, catching Kane, so Ben dispatches Electro to kill them. They barely have time to recover when they see that many of the clones have escaped the facility. They head out to assist Prowler in crowd control. As a team, the Wolf, Prowler, Spider-Gwen, and Kane fight villains and rush civilians to safety. As the situation goes on, Prowler grows too weak from cellular decay to keep fighting, and they lay him in an alleyway where he can rest despite his wanting to fight on. He laments having trusted and worked with other people because it's led him to lying there dying and alone. Electro lands next to him, gloating and prepares to kill him, but Madam Web drops in and holds her back. Electro overpowers and starts killing Web, but Prowler climbs up and throws himself at the villain. The two struggle, and Electro overloads from Prowler's gadgetry, knocking her out, but killing Prowler in the process. Several glider-based villains pursue Peter and Clone Gwen through the complex towards the Jackal's lab. Realizing she doesn't have long left before she decays completely, Gwen catches one of their pumpkin bombs, turns on the villains, and detonates it up close of them, sacrificing herself. Peter joins the fight in the lab where Dr. Octopus and the Jackal are duking it out. Anna Maria calls for his help in broadcasting out the inverse frequency to heal all of the cellular decay. Using Parker Industries webware, they can broadcast the signal out globally and stop it altogether. The piercing sound is bad for sales, but it's their only option to stop the contagion. With all of the various clones of Miles Warren disintegrating around him, the original is soon revealed. Vindicated, he claims the original Jackal outfit too and sets out to go fight Ben. At the lab, as Ben's webware broadcasts out the cellular decay-stopping frequency, Otto smashes the device so it won't save them. He wants Ben dead so bad that he's willing to die with him. Ben full-body kicks Otto to the ground and goes to transfer his mind into the proto-clone that Otto had been working on, but the machine rejects him and electrocutes him. This leaves it wide open for Otto to preserve his mind through death once more. Ben wakes up too late and Otto is gone. He doses up on new U-pills, escapes the building, and absorbs the life-saving frequency being emitted by the webware of those outside. He heads back to his home where Miles Warren, the original Jackal, is waiting. The old Spidey villain sets the building on fire and the two fight. Miles jibes at Ben but comes to the realization that Jackal has merely just made Ben the next in his long list of obsessions. This puts Miles back on the back foot now emotionally and physically. Ben knocks him down long enough to pull out the supports in the burning building, bringing it crumbling down on top of the villain. He fights through the fire department outside and escapes into the night. Back on the ground with Spider-Gwen and Kane, the situation is stabilized but with many of the clones dead such as Prowler or escaped such as many of the villains. It's soon revealed that the new U was keeping several purposely resurrected people in cryostasis within the facility. This includes the original engineer that was at the start of all this and Hobie Brown, the real Prowler. 
Neither of them died outright, so when New Yu cloned healthier versions of them, the original people had to be kept in stasis. Spidey calls the family of his unwell employee to tell them that he now has days left to live, who are furious with Parker for this. Peter feels bad about all of it and gets frustrated with Kane, who he still thinks should have told him sooner, but the clone stands by his decision, seeing the outcome turned out okay. Kane expresses anger that Jackal is probably still out there and vows to track him down. Gwen tries to ask after Peter, but at this point he doesn't want to hear it and he treats her dismissively. She goes to talk to Kane instead. He says that he won't be working from Loomworld anymore and will focus on protecting his own world, recommending Gwen to do the same with hers. As Gwen departs, Kane tells her he's proud to know her, reassuring Gwen that her late counterpart would think so too. S.H.I.E.L.D. and Horizon Labs soon seize the operation to try and help those left behind to recover. Pete briefly has a moment where he talks to the coffin of Uncle Ben, still stored from when Jackal brought it to the facility. Rhino, mourning the death of his cloned wife Oksana, is interrupted by S.H.I.E.L.D. personnel and violently lashes out. Pete pacifies Rhino by drawing his attention and imploring him to be the man that Oksana would want to be. Like a Rhino, people in grief have just to keep moving forward. This puts him at peace enough for him to be detained and for Max Modell to administer his cure to the contagion. In a lab beneath San Francisco, the lizard and his family have a meal. He's administered a lizard cure to them to stop their cellular decay, but it completely messed with their brains and they can only hiss now. <laughs> and this has been part two of Clone Conspiracy, although I'm just going to say... In fairness, they did regain their higher brain function during Nick Spencer's run. I'm 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 glad that they that, that happened for them. I'm I'm I just I'm sorry, it's it's such a funny splash page where it's like you've just had this really intense discussion between Rhino and Pete and the but it's like at the end of it is by by the way the Connors are like completely insane lizard people now. And it's like, okay. Like there's this whole bit where the lizard is like, I can fix you and they're like, Are you gonna turn us into lizards? And he's like, Me? Yeah. Turn you into lizards? And then he goes off and he does he just turns people into lizards. Like <laughs> That was the same conversation in No Way Home when uh, Electro asked if Connors is just gonna turn everyone into lizards. And he's like, Well <laughs> I just uh this this guy, this lizard guy, he's just Ah, yeah, that's mad. It's mad. Um, anyway, yeah, so that the, we've done the clone conspiracy, and and there's a lot going on here. And if you're feeling confused, so am so am I. Um, it's it's, but it's done now. We've read it. Um, and now we get to talk about what we think about it. Yeah, and this is the last thing that we have to deal with clones on the show. Yeah, yeah, it's also the last Dan Slot comic that we will be reading on this on this comic book podcast. So, um, we we won't have any more episodes where we have to juggle six different things going off at once and 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 try and break that down that won't happen again i don't think at least not until um last remains whenever we get to it because i feel like didn't you think that um gwenverse being announced in february was kind of us dodging a bullet yeah, yeah, yeah. i i actually um i i actually like i specifically said to marvel if if you don't make a new spider gwen comic um, I'm going to have to review Nick Spencer's Last Remains for my comic book podcast uh, that I'm a co-host on. And um, th they said, oh, we understand. That totally makes sense. We'll we'll just we'll, we'll put something together real quick. And that's what happened. Um, that is why we're getting the Gwenverse comic. And by us dodging a bullet, when I mean us, I mean you, Pax. 
I, th- I think I think it affected me more than you. I think that's fair. Yeah, um, for sure. Yeah. Um, so did we want to get into the, the clone conspiracy part two? Um, yeah. Do we want to do that? Yeah. Let's move into our thoughts for characters like the star of our show, Gwen. Yeah. Yeah. She. She's. Yeah. She's. So she knows. She's kind of off on her own in this. Like in the first part, like she has a lot of interactions with different people. In this, she's kind of. She she she's she's cut off from everybody. Like Kane's been captured, Pete's gone off and spoken to Jackal. So she kind of just makes her own way to the Trans America Pyramid, which, by the way, has no trans people in it. I I don't know what happened there. They 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 have something called the Trans America Pyramid, and I have no representation. What's up with that? And um, they're all chatting there, and um, it's 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 kind of like a like she has to come in and save Kane. Like he's the damsel in distress for Gwen to rescue at this point, uh, which is fun. And yeah, it's, it's, it doesn't have as fun a time with it. I don't think uh, with this, but you know, she's used in a smaller capacity than she was in the first half. Yeah. I think that's accurate. She gets a lot of speaking moments, like in that last, like, like three pages of Omega. Uh, let's say the last three pages, last sort of bit of Omega. Um, she gets a lot sort of, he gets upset with her even. Like, I feel bad for her. Like, I think, like, this This was, like, this is a real rift. This is a real loss, I think, here. But this was before their relationship started to get frosty during the Ghost Spider run. Yeah, yeah. Okay, there's a, diff- there's a different frosty Peter Gwen moment. So, like, there's, it warms, right? Maguire brings in Peter Parker during the Ghost Spider Spider-Geddon times, right? Like... Like and they sort of bond and they become friends and, and they remind each other of their promise to each other back in Spider-Verse and they're nice and good and everything until Outlawed happened. Um, whereas here, like, the, it never really starts, right? Like, in Spider-Verse, obviously, they have that nice moment, but from that point onwards, they never really sort of build up the kind of rapport that, like, I guess Jessica and Gwen have and Pete is clearly envious of that and he's frustrated with that and and the fact that Gwen is actively building like it's not that she doesn't have time to build like allies and friends and stuff like she's doing it like she has the web warriors she has Kane she has Jessica Drew she even hangs out with Cindy Moon but she's not hanging out with Peter Parker and he takes that personally because it is personal right like he reminds her of her dead best friend which is very very fresh for her and like a, like a very sort of ongoing trauma and something she's constantly being reminded of back on Earth 65 so sort of like Kane is a bit more removed from that, I guess. Um, the fact he's always wearing a mask, I guess, helps. Um, yeah. yeah, and probably because even though Kane does have the same face as Peter, well, he does look a little bit like slightly older than Gwen. Although that's probably just because of the beard. Mm-hmm. But I do like that they have a moment right there. They do. They have a nice moment. They have a real rapport, and and I think that just surprisingly, Slot has built like a nice friendship between the two, um, which feels meaningful, and it's built on on them two having shared goals, and 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 yeah, no, it works. Um, and and their parting here uh, makes sense. It's sort of it's sort of the end of their shared mission. They've 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 completed the thing they set out to do, which was to stop Earth six one six from turning into Zombieland. And now it's, yeah, like it's, they've sort of go team. And yeah, so she's sort of ended things in good terms with Kane and she's ended things in bad terms with Peter. And she sort of hands back to Earth 65 to like get her powers taken away from her by Cindy 65, presumably. So um, yeah, that's, that's sort of how I read the ending for Gwen here. Yeah, even though Gwen and Kane's ship will never happen, it's really warming that they did have a little moment before they parted ways. Yeah, they are friends. They are very, they are good friends and only friends. 
if something were to bring them like together together it would just be because of their shared inferiority complex yeah and that's that's something which you can do with any spider person really i think there's a lot more to mine than keen yeah but you know with gwen she's the complete opposite of gwen 616 um i i think they have some similar beats, but yeah, Morales is functionally different character. And I think we've always taken that line that we, we, we you know, Gwen 616 isn't bad or anything, but like Gwen 65 is a functionally different character and we treat her as such. And like, I think there's like this one moment where like, oh yeah, you have something in common with Gwen 616. And she's like, what? you like, and there's something to the effect of like, you have a heart of gold or you're like, you're doing the right thing or something like that. Um, it's something sentimental, but it, like, I think just functionally, they're very, very different people. I think even personality-wise, well, she's more angrier than Gwen 616. Yeah, yeah. Although I do think Gwen 616, even in the original comics, was quite an angry... I had some angrier moments, I guess. But yeah, like, absolutely. I think I think, I, I think Gwen 65 is more angsty. Um, she's lo- And this, it comes through a lot as well as that, like, like she's younger. Like, and it comes, like, like, there are a few moments where they're like, how did you, how did you mistake a teenager... For this, for for Gwen six one six, and I have to wonder how much younger Gwen sixty five is than Gwen six one six, because obviously Gwen six one six was born a good like what ten years before Gwen sixty five, but she's been dead for a while. So I mean, how does that pan out? So they would be roughly about the same age because you know Gwen sixty five is nineteen, and like since obviously Gwen six one six died, she would have been her clone would have been the same age as she was when she died. So I'm think that's around college age nineteen twenty. Yeah, that would make sense. It might be possible that like they've they've actually bit like New You has been in f- in like functioning for like I don't know like a year or two prior to this point. Like Gwen Six One Six's resurrection was already a couple of years ago, so she's got a bit of a head start anyway. Um, I don't know, but it seems strange. Like like they want to play up the age gap there, but then also like if she's been dead for what like eight to ten years, then how does that work? Um, I'm I'm you know I don't know like. I'd, the chronology is messing with my head a bit, and and Gwen sixty five is definitely a teen in this. Like she references it at one one point, she says it out loud. So like I'm a teen, I like to vent. Yeah, like she makes a pun, and it's a fun pun, and it's a good pun. Uh, yeah, I like that. But like when we were talking about like um aging and death, like, if we if, like if Marvel want really wanted to put Kane and Gwen together, Kane could have been dead for a couple of years or just enough for a reasonable age gap between him and Gwen that would yeah I, I hear that it'd still feel weird that they would have to do that for a character I'm I'm sure they can find a, a compelling love interest without a 10-year age gap for Gwen I'm sure they I'm sure they can work that one out I'm sure that's I'm sure that's on the books if they're really keen yeah but you know fortunately for us like Gwen doesn't have time for romance I I think so yeah honestly like to the point where people people had canon that she's aromantic and stuff so like yeah I'd, i i you know it's it's she hasn't she hasn't had any particularly successful romantic interests yet in the comics um and we yet to see them so i guess we'll see how things go and i feel like that um this event for gwen kind of left a sour taste in her because i put in the notes here that she even mentions this during sitting in a tree oh yeah what does she say exactly in sitting in a tree she was talking to the uh, Morales Stacy kids where she said that uh, some days uh, she wishes that she never saw one of those portals and have to deal with goffy space vampires, you know, talking about the inheritors, um, evil doppelgangers, which could have been uh, any number of people like um, like Harry from uh, Electroverse and Spiders versus Norman from Battleworld 
and Cindy 65. And the last thing that she mentions is clones and then says all those stupid clones. Oh, yeah, that would make sense. Yeah. Yeah, she was she would she would have have to have been referencing clone conspiracy. Yeah, that makes sense. Um yeah, like I think it's definitely something which happened to her. Um so <laughs> yeah, but I don't think we've seen any real references outside of that really. Yeah, but Gwen sixty five herself has never been cloned, well, to our knowledge. Not that we know of, not that we know of. Um and like Miles Warren, even when he had the chance to didn't. He did other stuff. So I don't think she will get cloned. I don't I don't think they want I don't. I don't think we want this for the Spider Gwen comics. I don't think we want a clone clone saga of our own. It would be unfortunate, I think, because because again, it's it doesn't it doesn't make a lot of sense when you think about it. And also, like, there's a lot of shock value type moments in it that feel very cheap. Um, and we get a few of those in here that are not great. I guess bring it down a bit. Yeah, but in hindsight, it's like if we never see another clone saga ever again that's related to Gwen, it'll be too soon. Yeah. No. Pretty much. Um. It's, it's yeah, not not a fun time for Gwen. Not a fun time, and um, yeah, like I think uh, yeah, Gwen six one six, the clone Gwen six one six has a hard time in this as well. Um, like, and 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 the thing that I don't get is that obviously they do bring some people back. Some people are definitely brought back after this, but like not Gwen six one six. And at no point are they like, should we redo it again? Or I don't, I don't understand it. Like they have the technology, and they have the technology to like not do it without zombies at the end of this like they can just do the frequency thing and cure them so what's up with all of that yeah like all of those leftover clones like electro was stabilized just in time um there's also the ned Leeds clone he appeared as a hobo in um nick spencer's asm run who ends up dying later oh dear yeah like like a bunch of characters from from who were cloned in the clone conspiracy survive don't need the pills and are fully cured and functional clones. So my question is, if if they have the technology to do it and they have the technology to do it without creating zombies, why do they suddenly stop? Um, There's one clone that comes into question, which is the case of Ashley Kafka, right? Who who is very back at the moment? Who's doing doing some madness apparently? Because we we don't even know if um the Ashley Kafka introduced in this event is supposed to be the same one that's running around in Spencer's run and Spider-Man Beyond. Because this event makes it seem like she survived. But if you look at Frank Thierry's Ravencroft, the narrative implies that there was a second clone of Ashley Kafka that, that was made that didn't have the degeneration problem. Yeah, which which is, I, I, I don't know. I like the clone conspiracy is, is, is pretty big for Spider-Man supporting cast because it brings back so many and yet like it's it's it doesn't I'm I'm just I'm just puzzled by it really at this point like I I don't I don't get where they were they, they were going like they legit like they legitimately because normally what you'd expect with the clone thing is for them to make it so that the cloning process breaks down or like it becomes too bad or it's too expensive or it's just not a practical thing to do on a long-term basis at the end of it so that like they haven't just invented cloning for the Marvel universe, but they have done that here. Like they have invented cloning and it does work. And it is something that can be sort of done in a reasonably sort of quick, like they've, they've introduced just full easy cloning, basically all things considered. And they just, they just drop it at the end of this because the Jackal was even like, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. I don't like, it feels like a weird thing to invent and then just not use again. Um, like I feel like people would end up trying to do that sort of stuff, 
it's a huge it's got huge implications ethically and and for how the world works and they don't they don't do anything with it it's really strange to me i think a jackal was gonna be well warren was gonna be up to his old tricks again because i put here that um even though it looks like he died in the fire he actually showed up again during marvel team up with uh spider-man and miss marvel where he tries to do another cloning scheme. He tries to steal one of Peter's friend's um, devices to improve his cloning technology. Yeah, and it, like he's he's he definitely survives the fire at the end of this. I think they specifically set up in a way where, like, if you wanted to bring him back, it would be easy. Um, and of course, we know after Marvel Team Up, he goes over to Earth sixty five, and you know our comics and what we've read in the past. Um, so yeah, like he's still doing stuff, but he's not. He's not doing this, like the thing, and he invented this process, right? Like he invented this current set of cloning things where you bring back somebody with all of their memories from the moment of death at any point after their death. Um, all he needs to do is add in this frequency thing and then he's good, right? Yeah, but during Marvel team up, he said that his new, new process of cloning was um basically his old tricks, but this time, like this device would allow the transference of consciousness from the old body to the clone body. Yeah. How does that, how does that work exactly? Because, because in this, a big thing of it is like, we are rean like, like Ben really wants to emphasize that this is reanimation. Like that's his big PR line. They are reanimating people. Like it isn't cloning and he corrects people when they call it cloning a lot of the time. But the reality is, it's not the same consciousness because we saw what happened with Prowler, right? Prowler got cloned, and his original, like the original Prowler, just got stuck in a pod, right? While the clone Prowler ran about and did stuff, and then when they open up the original Prowler uh, box of Prowler, and he's like, "Well, what's happening? What's going on?" He doesn't remember any of that. He's what because it wasn't the same person; it was a copy, right? And all of these are copies. Like the Ben is a copy. The Gwen 616 is a, is a copy. All of them are copies. None of them are the actual, like you say, transferred consciousness. Yeah, because if they were grown in a tube and their so-called consciousness transference, they said it was just a psychic link. That's practically a fancy way of saying that their memories have been implanted, just like with all other clones. Yeah, which yeah, which is sort of the sort of the same thing. And I, I just like. Again, yeah, like I, I, I don't see this that the, the person's consciousness being transferred at any point in this process, even though they kind of want to hint at it. And like at the end of it, like a lot of the people who are like families of new U patients are like actually disgusted that they spent time with copies without realizing it, which is kind of, I think, maybe a bit extreme. But like they're not wrong. Like that, the, they were copies. Like they weren't the original person. And and they, they, like they don't they don't get into this like they don't explore this at an ethical level like they just 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 Pete kind of takes one glance at it goes well it's not responsible enough and picks a fight and it all goes wrong and then it escalates randomly and it just it just all goes wrong like there's no there's no reason that anybody with the ability to perfectly clone somebody who has died long ago with all of their memories they wouldn't just let that technology die they'd reanimate. I think it's because, like, all of these clones, they're way too deep in the concept of, you know, the saying, if it looks like a duck, swims like a duck, and quacks like a duck, then it's a duck. Yeah, no, and I hear that. Like, and I think, like, you know, like, Pete, Pete actually has a point where he's like, yeah, yeah, no, so, like, clones are people, too, but they're not the same people. Uh, which was like, okay, fine, yeah, that makes sense. Um, and, like, 
which which is you know I guess it's a shame really because if you're a Gwen six one six then this is kind of like a fun event for Gwen six one six like it's not, it's like a not awful depiction of Gwen six one six but also she is a clone for all of it so um, you know just another another like dead Gwen Stacy clone which is unfortunate I think yeah the uh, Gwen six one six clone speaking of her um like yeah you mentioned before how she she was very dismissive of her 65 counterpart yeah she was like the moment that pete starts bringing up like other clones other alternate dimension ones she's like no 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 no, no. that's not that's not me this is me which is fair i guess that is fair um and and uh i think that this sort of makes sense like she actually gets a sort of a whole issue of amazing spider-man where basically she and Pete just kind of chat on their own and they have like this really nice heart to heart. They have a kiss and then Pete has to rush off. Um, and that's really like, I, it was nice. I think it was nice. I think that's some of the nicest sort of Peter Gwen panels we've had um, ever really. I, I'd say since the original comic. So um, yeah, like I, she has some good moments in this. Um, and when she dies this time, she gets to pick the fight. She gets to pick, you know, how it happens. But yeah, like it, it's, um, it's pretty good. But before she died, remember when she spotted Gwen 65 saving Kane and then she asked Peter why he never told her she has spider powers? I thought that was funny. I, yeah, like it sort of makes sense. Like nobody was like, oh yeah, Spidey, it's, it's, it's Spider Gwen, right? Like it's not just it's not just any other Gwen, it's a Spider Gwen. Like, because obviously it, she wouldn't know really, would she? Yeah, and then she was like, I guess there is a better version of me out there. Yeah. Yeah, I, which was kind of sad, really. Uh, I think I think Pete kind of corrects her on that, right? But I'm thinking because of her dismissiveness earlier. I'm thinking, is somebody jealous? Yeah, and I think, yeah, no, you would feel you'd feel a bit replaced, wouldn't you? Like if you came back and there was a cooler, younger, sort of spider-powered yeah. version of you, right? Like that didn't die. That didn't die and continues to not die. So, yeah. Um, I do feel bad for her here. I don't think there was any other way they were going to end it other than killing off a Gwen clone again. But yeah, I just, I, I wish Gwen 616 could get some, like she hasn't been allowed to rest in peace from the moment she's died. They have brought her back as a clone, as a clone, as a clone, as a clone. Uh, Nick Spencer's run, her corpse is dug up, headband and full blonde hair and all, and sat on a chair in a macabre twisted game by kindred i i like let gwen 616 rest or if you bring her back do it nicely you know do it in a way which is interesting and compelling because you know, when her corpse was dug up by um that specific kindred you know because that was gabriel posing as a harry like i'm thinking like that's your mom yeah like and no respect although to be fair he wasn't he wasn't really raised by gwen was he no the twins were never raised by gwen like they were believed to be raised by Norman, but like uh, deep down, they legitimately did think that Gwen was their mom. Oh, well, that's an upsetting thing for Gabriel to do in that case. Then yeah. I just, I just think that they, um, yeah, they, 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 they play up, I think the trauma, Gwen's trauma. And generally, I guess it's the thing which happens with uh, women in, in comic books is they will play up their trauma in a way which they just so much it's so exaggerated it's it's yeah. too much after a certain point and the depressing part about uh, sarah and gabriel dying was uh as they were dying sarah tearfully asked peter if they never really had a mother and then uh pete said that um she would have loved having sarah and gabriel being her children oh that's so sad oh oh i 
Yeah. I just... That's all an ASM 74 by Spencer. Maybe Nick Spencer deserves some rights. His run deserves some rights. That is, sorry. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, yeah. It's a, it's, 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 it's a difficult time for the Stacys. It's a yeah. rough time. But, yeah, but anyway, back to the actual Gwen clone. <laughs> uh, we don't know how the real Gwen would, like, if she would actually forgive Peter because, well, because this Gwen forgave Peter. Yeah, I, I think... Because the way she talks about it is that the moment she was cloned, that she was quite angry, which would make sense. She was upset when she died, so when she was cloned and brought back, she would have been angry. So the time since, the time that she spent working with the Jackal, she's mellowed in some senses. And I don't know, like, Pete keeping that secret from her obviously is going to sting. But yeah, she's she's clearly sort of... Times passed, and yeah, which was why it made perfect sense that back in the early days of uh, Spencer's run, why the original Gwen Six One Six would have been kindred because she fit the profile the best. Yeah, and I still think there's a compelling case to be made if you did bring Gwen Six One Six back in earnest. You know, doing some villain stuff with her where she got to get some revenge on people who just were very okay with her fridging or like didn't do enough to sort of do enough by her. You know, would be quite interesting, but I don't know. Yeah, it's because the selling points for me were when Kindred freaked out that um Felicia got to relearn Peter's identity, and when uh, Norman told Kindred that um he was proud of them and was their legacy, and uh, Gwen's death is Norman's proudest achievement. Oh, that's that's sick. That's sick. I just not fun. Not fun. Um, yeah. Yeah, Norman's just a, yeah bad dude. Yeah, awful dude um who else who's who else we got here who's not awful um spider-man is not making the evil decision in this he doesn't he doesn't take that alliance with kane you mean ben ben i get kane and ben mixed up which is not fair on kane um like one's a blonde the other's brunette even though ben's not blonde here yeah that is not the case here yeah um yeah so he he has that sort of like uh, dark side, light side option at the end of the last part that we did, um, and it sort of seems like he's taken it and he's gone with Ben back to New You, and he said, "Yeah, sure, I'll hear you out." And then obviously it, he gets that moment with Gwen, and then it escalates and it all goes wrong. Um, and and basically, like he was never really, I guess, planning on taking Ben's offer. He just sort of wanted to sort of go with him and see what he said and did and hear him out further. I suppose that was the implication. And there's a sort of clarification here because um, it is revealed. Once Pete like sort of rejects Ben outright, um, somebody says to like Ben, "It's like, are you gonna are you gonna bring Spidey back afterwards? You gonna we gonna have Spidey on our team now?" Um, and he's like, "No, no, 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 you, we don't need to do that. I have somebody in mind." And then Pete's like, "Oh, so this is why you grew your roots out." So the implication being that all of these other Peter Parkers that we've seen across the multiverse are not in fact Peter Parker, but Ben pretending to be peter parker so that he can get parker Industries support for new you um it's quite possible that in none of the realities we saw that pete ever took up ben's offer of bringing back uncle ben um and in fact in every single one ben just ends up usurping control over parker industries or something even that managed to fool kane because um you know he fully believed that all of these alternate parkers was peter yeah to be fair though he did he did you did 
they don't get too much time to actually interact with these purportedly Peter Parkers from across the multiverse. So, no, uh, he's he was too busy running away from zombies and trying to steal Peter and Warren's research. Exactly, yeah. Like it wasn't enough time to take a real good sort of gander at what was going on. He sort of just he just just, just shuffles off to the next multiverse, uh, ne- next universe, to sort of see what's going on. So. Yeah, it was one of those things. I, I like that clarification. I, I think that was that was the one reveal which I sort of went, oh, reading this. Like the rest of the other ones sort of made sense, but that was the one which really sort of got me. And uh, yeah, like I think Pete is, I don't know, like he's very cynical about the whole operation. And he's like, you know, you're not bringing Uncle Ben back. And, you know, none of the responsibility in that. Is there a responsible way to clone dead people? Like, is they, but they, they don't ask this question meaningfully. And I feel that sort of undermines it a bit. In fairness, you know, uh, Pete already moved on from their deaths. Yeah, and that's a big part of this. Like, I think the thing that Dan Slott wants to put across is that, like, to keep cloning dead characters is unhealthy. Um, and the healthy thing to do is to move on and, like you say, um, and and sort of continue developing as a person. Um, and, they, and they try and emphasize this in a few places because there's any of the characters that, like, really insist on bringing back other characters hurt for it. They hurt. They they they're making the like they get punished by the narrative, and the ones who are sort of more like cynical about the whole thing yeah. do okay for themselves. Um, yeah. Even his cynicism reflects on his statement of he's used to bad guys coming back, but not his loved ones. Yeah, yeah. Like he's like at this point in the narrative, like people are extremely aware of how this plays out. Like this isn't the first time a bunch of dead people have come back to life. This isn't the first time that villains come back to life. This isn't the first time that allies have been tragically lost. Um, so like Pete is cynical about it at this point, and I think that makes sense. Like it, it's like Slot is writing this with the context of all of the other times that like this has happened. So so and and I think this wants to be the la- like you, I read this like it wanting to be the last clone saga. Like it's it's you you're reading it like there is no there is no good way to do it. Even if even if a good character does it, it goes bad, right? Like that's what it wants to say. I think, and I don't I don't know if I fully agree with that. Like I don't know if like. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. But I, I feel like maybe I wouldn't, but they don't really they don't really get into why it's wrong beyond Kane doing it in a way which is kind of like dodgy. Like Ben. Beyond beyond Ben doing it in a way which is kind of dodgy. Um, like they don't really get into why would cloning people be wrong? Why would cloning people with all their memories be wrong? Like they don't, they don't meaningfully ask these questions, and and I think the answer is probably yeah, it is probably wrong to clone people who have died. It's probably a bad move, um, but they don't actually get into that. They just sort of look at Ben's operation specifically and say this is bad, and th- they don't really don't really go much deeper than that. When it wants to be deep, like you can tell, it really wants to be thinky about it, but it's not delivering. I think at this point, it's just because you know after uh, having died and been being revived twenty five times, Ben's just not in his right mind anymore. Like he thinks is justified. Absolutely, Ben is completely unhinged, especially in the second part. Like the the his solution to Doc Ock accidentally starting the Carrion Plague is just to accelerate it. Like, and it makes zero sense. And he's just like, I'm going to bring back everybody using my technology. I'm going to bring back every last person. I'm going to clone them all. And it makes no sense. Like he just becomes a supervillain and. In full, not like like a misunderstood person who is trying to clone all of Peter's allies' villains. Like full villain, 
causing the carry-on plague. And it feels completely unearned, like it's completely out of nowhere compared to the other things he was doing. I think the only one reasonable thing that he did was, you know, to to create Haven for the clones since they're not ready to be released into the outside world. Actually, this Haven that he made, it kind of reminds me of uh, uh, Young Justice where there's this whole city that's made for Project Cadmus experiments and uh, uh, guinea pigs called uh, Geranium City. Yeah, it's um, yeah, no, it's it's got like a nice sweet vibe, and it's all it's all utopian looking, like a '60s sort of advert for like a, an American suburb or whatever. You know, it's got a sort of very bright white sort of look to everything. Um, so Westview. Yeah, like Westview, right? Um, but I actually, I, I love, I love the idea that like you, you take it like a suburbia, and actually it's a horror environment. Like I love that whether it's like, whether it's like this or Westview or you know real actual suburbia in real life or Get Out or you know any of these things. Um, like I, I love that as a as a trope. That's always fun. Um, yeah. Yeah, now that I think about it, yeah, Haven really is like Westview because all of its citizens have to follow this one person, whether if, if they're aware of it or not. Yeah, like it's got it's a yeah, it's it's got that vibe about it. Like this is a nice cozy place, but actually it's a cult. It's a cult, really. Um, and uh, yeah, it it's, it goes badly, and and I, I and I'm trying to make sense of it, especially some of the actions that Ben takes towards um like the end where he's like he orders electro to go kill mode on gwen and kane like what's up with that we're supposed to reconcile the fact that like this guy who goes on to be the current spider-man is ordering the death of gwen and kane and other people presumably like what because his sense of reason has just left him when peter turned him down yeah he just he, he he completely snaps and and i have a hard time buying it it doesn't feel earned um, and it doesn't line up with who he really was before or who he, he, he is now. I, yeah, I'm, Ben Riley in this event is a piece of work, man. It's just, well, I, again, like being died and revived 25 times will do that to your head. Maybe, maybe, but he's had time since then, you know, to like not be a supervillain and he's generally not being that bad. Like he gets worse over the course of this event and like the stuff happening to him doesn't feel like it's warranting that. At this point, anyway. Obviously, although the, all of the dying would, you know, clearly did a number on him in the first place. But, you know, he's had time to contextualize that. And he's you know, he's more stable at the start of this event when he was closer to all of those deaths than he is at the end of it. But at least, like, when he leaves, he's somewhat trying to clear his head. He is. I think he sort of recognizes that, like, that thing that he was trying didn't work. I don't think he's fully come to terms with, like, the ethical implications of that. I haven't read Peter David's Scarlet Spider-Run, which uh, does act as a sequel to this. There is a little bit of it at the end of Clone Conspiracy Omega. Like, they have a bit, like, drawn by Mark Bagley and written by Peter David, which um, sort of sets up what happens with Scarlet Spider, gives him a love interest and whatever. I don't know how he gets on with that. I don't I don't know whether he has any, like, real good moral realizations or whatever, but I hope he does. Um, I hope he has something. I hope there's some, like, good connective tissue between this and spider-man beyond well remember he does appear in spider-geddon where he is uh well this is his words back to factory settings yeah i i don't often want back to basic arcs for characters but this like the stuff to do with ben is so out of character some of the stuff that dan slot does with these characters so out of character that I'm, i'm glad for it at the end of it really 
So it seems like that clone conspiracy is just a whole character assassination figuratively and literally for Ben. Really very much so. Um, Kane gets gets uh, gets away with it a bit better. He doesn't have as hard a time um, in this. Uh, we've obviously touched on a lot of what it likes. Characterizations are definitely like Gwen adjacent. Like Gwen, he's sort of sidelined a bit after being captured and stuff. But yeah, and he also has a really sour end with his relationship with Peter here. I think it's because whereas Peter tries to see the good in people, Kane only sees the evil in people. Absolutely. Kane is much more cynical. Um, and that comes through like Pete is happy to let Ben go or like at least consider Ben to be dead. Whereas Kane is like, no, Ben is still out there. I'm going to go hunt him down, which he does again, something I'm interested in, like what happened to the Peter David run with that. Um, because I presume that's where they're picking that up. And and yeah, like, I just... It's one of those things, I guess. Maybe Pete is, like, just driving away people at this point, I think. Um, he's hurting, and he's not dealing with the people who were sort of adjacent when that hurt was being inflicted on him. Because I think, you know, Kane did have a point in trying to keep this to himself and Gwen, that uh, Pete would try to uh, ruin their plan. Yeah, and, and I, I don't know if that's fully warranted but yeah no i mean they make that call and it works out so yeah I, it's one of those things i you know like i think that's just kane being pragmatic yeah i think it was and i think pete not being the center of attention i think that's a sort of a hard lesson that he had to learn here that his involvement in this sort of escalated things in a way that was unfortunate as well well learning the hard way that not everything has to be about him exactly and i hope i hope the marvel editorial take that lesson to heart but um, at least well, here's someone who's kind of Peter adjacent because of what happened at the end of this arc, Doc Ock. I I don't know what was going on with Doctor Octopus here. Um, he has this moment where he's like, "So I'm gonna just I'm just gonna mess everything up." Like literally, uh, Ben makes this throwaway line, and it's not a nice line. It's real mean about how they, they can give Anna Maria the proto-clone body so that... Yeah, like, yeah, like not cool, Ben. It was very ableist, and, and like, yeah. rightfully, Anna Maria reacts poorly to it, but Dr. Octopus reacts to it, and he is so upset that he decides that he's going to ruin all of New You, all of the cloning stuff that they've been doing, um, and also become locked into this death duel with Ben, uh, which could possibly kill them both. Remember, this is what drowning people do. They try to take you down with them. Exactly. This is this is exactly what it felt like. Like, Doc Ock, Doc Ock has this moment where he's like, melt with me. And it's like, dude, this is too much. Ableism is not cool. And, you know, absolutely call people out and cancel, you know, try and get into these jobs, but don't accidentally cause the apocalypse doing it. And and I really feel like it felt super disproportionate. Like if this is literally what it was that you just, they just flip a switch and it just, and it's like Dr. Octopus is just completely against Ben all of a sudden. Well, remember he's still very much in love with Anna Maria. Like I was surprised that Ock wasn't the whole time babbling like an idiot every time she was in the room. Yeah, and there's clearly like there's 
There's a sort of like moment where like Anna Maria is like, I'm really upset that you pretended to be Peter Parker and we're in a relationship and everything with, with me. But, but also I, I still really like your brain. You still have a really great brain. And it's like, okay. Um, uh, and, and, and yeah, it's, it's, uh, but, but at least Anna Maria is like doing stuff and like basically solves the problem. Like if, if they'd brought Anna Maria in, in the first issue, they would have, they would have worked everything out pretty quick. I reckon. But no, they had to kidnap her to solve the problem. Yeah, they did. They did. Um, and uh, yeah, it's yeah. Um, Otto and and Anna Maria they get more development later down the line with like Spider Geddon stuff, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, Spider Geddon. I think during um, that Superior Octopus one shot, and then mm. his second volume of Superior, of which uh, he's using the protoclone's body to do. Hmm. Yeah, so yeah, so uh, Doctor Octopus makes it out alive in a new body after the after the sort of the classic Doctor Octopus look is disintegrated. But I'm just wondering, like, after he uploaded his mind into the new protoclone body, I like, did he have just did he just have time to uh, just get some spare clothes, or is he did he just run around naked? I hope that like like Ben that he found some spare clothes. Yeah, I hope that. Probably one of the spare clothes from one of the Miles Warren clones that melted. Yeah, there's a few of those. And they dress surprisingly sharp as well, so um, yeah, that works out for Ben at least. But yeah, like this protoclone, it's clearly based off of like when it, whenever you see him unmasked in his new body, it kind of looks like Peter. Yeah, it it, it it does. It's it's very Peter-esque, and I think that's perhaps just the, the default that um, comic book artists will make to the sort of that that kind of build skin color hair color is sort of the standard thing they do and it also happens to be peter parker's so um yeah they, they do bear some similarities i suppose but i think it's because of the way mike hawthorne draws him that he looks at, like at the same time he looks w- way different than peter when he's posing as elliot tolliver right yeah that makes sense have we covered everything though? Uh, unless if you wanted to talk a little, because even though we only had a little bit of an excerpt from the Prowler, I yeah okay. So the Prowler book, okay, I'm going to talk about this. We've only we only incorporated a little bit into this, but the Prowler book is really good. It's really really well done. I mentioned earlier, it's it's uh it's got uh writing by uh Sean Ryan Wright, which is all very focused around like this internal struggle where Prowler feels like he's not good enough, like he's always trying to work to be better, but he's he never quite measure up never quite measures up. He 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 absolutely feels like he can't trust anybody. Like he's always about to get stabbed in the back. And this is about him just persevering and persevering and persevering. And it is written so well. It's it's such a great read completely wasted on this event but it's a really good title it's six issues long right um it has art by um javier Saltares and jamal campbell who is a superstar artist jamal campbell one of the best artists in the industry right now um just a really good looking art style they're playing with like coloring in a really interesting way in this book um, i think a lot of that's on jamal campbell as well 
and it's just it's just a it's a pretty book it's well written the action is good the stakes are good like they kill off prowler here so um i mean obviously it's clone prowler but but you, you catch my drift and yeah it's really good and it fits very well into the clone conspiracy like it elevates the clone conspiracy like it gives you the other side of what's going on instead of seeing what what new you is like from an outside perspective he's seeing it from from prowler who's essentially like their internal like police or guards force right and it's very very good i i recommend prowler it's good it's a good book yeah that's what i think about prowler anyway um hobby brown Pharrell, it's very good right cool but um does this yeah does this practically um is this the end of clone conspiracy already i think because we covered so much in part one that we've we've done a lot of the legwork we needed for this part as well i'm just surprised we didn't go like off the deep end with like the logistics around cloning or did we i feel like i did i feel like i spent a lot of time ranting about that i feel like i can only rant about why cloning doesn't work at a conceptual level for so long before i run out of steam i think um which is saying a lot but to be fair we've done we'll have done like maybe like three hours worth of podcast by the end of this so um nearly anyway um so it's not it's not not too shabby not too shabby no because um well in fairness like gwen did get a smaller capacity so we didn't get to talk about her a lot but yeah yep this is true um so yeah so uh should we wrap up with our final opinions about uh the clone conspiracy from the amazing spider-man comics then yep uh do you want to go first sure yeah um i i don't i don't think i like the writing here i'm gonna be honest uh the clone um i the clone conspiracy is a good looking event i think there's a lot of really fun and moments i think there's a lot of really nice meaningful moments with gwen uh with rhino uh and and prowler and 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 keen and even the way they do gwen i think is fine and good i think there's a lot of really nice moments in this um and clone clone books tend to manage good moments but the moment you sit back and you sort of look at what is happening and why it's happening it all seems a bit sort of contrived um a lot of the characterizations feel very out of character they don't really explain why what ben is doing is wrong why it shouldn't done like that and they don't really meaningfully ask you know if it is going to be done like that how would you they don't get into it enough um even though they have a lot of space to do that um they spend a lot of time finding very i think contrived reasons to bring different characters back instead of like crafting a meaningful story um and it's not great um also i think they fall into the trap which a lot of these big event books have which is where like you you have them split across like an ongoing title and like an event book um and they just overlap to the point where you feel like you're reading the same thing twice, um, which is not a fun reading experience. So, so yeah, like Clone Conspiracy does not hit for me, uh, I'm afraid. Uh, that is my opinion on it. It's a very pretty book, though. Um, very, very pretty book. Yeah, I did enjoy Jim Chung and Giuseppe Camoncoli's art here, too. But, like, yeah, with the way this event was written, like... I felt like that, yeah, Dan Slott was competent in writing Spider-Gwen around the same time as he did in Spider-Verse. Like, I thought he did a pretty good job of her most of the time. But then just to sideline her in the second half of this read, I'm like, okay then? (laughs) And then, you know, with Ben suddenly descending into madness, understandable, being killed and revived 25 times will do that to you. But, um, 
again, this is much of a character assassination for the character if you're pretty fond of him and I'm supposed to because I did have to regress my mindset because I'm reading Spider-Man Beyond right now and I'm thinking is this supposed to be the same Ben Riley that I'm reading right now and then yeah it's just um I would just call it soup at this point this whole event because yeah you got everything but the kitchen sink in there it's practically soup and then (laughs) And then, you know, the logistics of all of this cloning, especially when we mentioned earlier of Ashley Kafka, like, are there any more other clones that have been, uh, like, stabilized and then we just don't know about them? Or are there any secondary clones that have been made as a result of this event and they're just stashed away somewhere just like with Kafka? And then I'm like, yeah, if I never see another clone saga or clone conspiracy again, uh, it's going to be too soon. Absolutely, I agree. Um, yeah, so that, that wraps up our Clone Conspiracy read. Should we get into what we're doing next week? Next week? Next episode, even. Yep. Yeah, so we'll be reading a better event. We'll be reading the main Spider-Geddon event. This is written by Christos Gage with art by, uh, is it Jorge or George? Uh, Jorge. Jorge Molina. Um, it's good. It's good stuff. That's a good creative team, and it's sort of bu- it's a bookend really to the spy to the Spider Verse era. The way I see it is, the current run of comics we've been doing from Spider Verse to Web Warriors to the Clone Conspiracy is all part of like a very specific status quo within sort of the multiverse and Spider comics, and it sort of ends with Spider Geddon. And this also does uh, tie in with the first four issues of Spider-Gwen Ghost Spider. Yes, we've actually read a chunk of this event, but we didn't read the main event back at that time. You can sort of read uh, that tie-in arc and this separately. Um, so we're just going to be reading the main main event because we've already read those other comics. All of the Spider-Gen is, is numbers one to six... Yeah. Five. One to five. We're going to read all five issues of the Spider Geddon event. Wait, did we want to count Spider Geddon number zero? Because that's technically six. Yeah, that's why I was thinking it. I knew it was. I knew it was more. Than, yeah. So we'll do Spider Geddon number zero to six. Um, I will put links in the description to that Comicsology page, so you know what it looks like, um, and to a reading list of Gwen's comics, uh, which includes a little bit on where the best place to buy and read them is. Please read Spider Geddon. Let us know what you think about it, if you'd like, so we can do like a book club type review. We'll discuss what you think on the podcast, and uh, you can do that by tweeting at us at GS Groupies and following us uh, there on Twitter, or emailing us at ghostspidergroupies at gmail.com. We'll also have Kofi, and uh, the links in the description is for that, if you'd like to contribute towards our uh, costs for Podbean and stuff so that we can continue distributing this podcast. Yes, please. All right. Um, Thank you very much, everybody. I've been Pex. And I've been Abigail. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone. Bye.